Good morning. This morning I'll be reading 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 through 13 from the New Revised Standard Version. <clears throat> the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I have, I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, Neither the Lord neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass, pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest one. But he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily, mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then sent out, sent, Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. Let us sing together the doxology.
We are continuing our series on vocation and hearing God's call. You know, we are all called to, to love God, to love our neighbors, and to make disciples. Those are the ways all of us are called kind of generally as the church. This is, is what it means to follow Jesus. These are, are the um, great commandment and the great commission uh, summarized. But each of us is also wired and, and gifted in unique ways, and so we're also talking about hearing God's call and um, hearing how God wants to partner with us in God's mission. And so over this series already, we've taken a look at the call on Abram and how God calls him to, to follow. And, and we talked about having faith and, and being faithful to how God is moving and calling us. You know, God has some big ideas for how Abram was going to end up blessing the world. And Abram is, is faithful and obedient to following God's call on his life. Last week, we looked at the call of Samuel, how God had called him while he was still very young, and, and Samuel needed some help in knowing who was even calling him. And so uh, in the middle of the night, he hears God's voice and he runs to Eli and Eli eventually figures out that it's God calling him. Samuel was willing to respond, but he needed help knowing how to answer that call. And so we talked about the role of parents and mentors and, and the community of faith in helping us discern how we are to hear God's call and, and answer God's call. Well, this morning our text comes from later in the story of Samuel. Samuel continues to answer God's call, and um, the tasks that God is calling Samuel to aren't getting any easier. And so we're going to look at that this morning. This time Samuel will be involved in helping another young person discern God's vocation. As we take a look at this, this story, this text this morning, would you pray with me? Jesus, we ask that you would open our ears and our hearts to hear your call on our lives this morning. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, let me give you some background about how this story has kind of developed from where we were last week when, when Samuel is just learning how to uh, discern God's voice and that God is, is calling him and, and speaking directly to him. Samuel ends up growing up to become a prophet and speaking to the people of God on behalf of God. And when Samuel was a, a boy, Israel was still kind of this loose collection of tribes, and, and sometimes they got along with one another, and sometimes they didn't. Uh, but one of their common foes was often the Philistines. Uh, they had often found themselves in conflict with this neighboring group called the Philistines. And eventually, Israel starts to come together, and they want a human king to lead them, like other countries, like other nations and, and groups of people around them. They, they desire to have a king that leads them collectively. And in that, they are rejecting God as their, their sole king. 
and God warns them what the, the human king will do, uh, but God ends up relenting and allows Israel to make their choice. And so God initially chooses Saul to be king, and it's Samuel's job to anoint Saul as king. And, and Samuel tries as best he can to kind of help guide Saul in being the best king he can be. But there comes a point eventually on, on one occasion where Saul is actually supposed to wait for Samuel to arrive to conduct this sacrifice. And Saul gets a little impatient in waiting for uh, Samuel to arrive, and he's not sure why we can't just go ahead and perform this sacrifice. And so Saul, who is the king, actually takes the role uh, of priest and, and the role of prophet, and Saul conducts the sacrifice himself. It's a political king assuming the role of priest and prophet, and that's not good in God's eyes. And so from that time, God rejects Saul as king and begins to move on to find another suitable king. And this is where our story picks up. At, at the beginning of this text, we see Samuel still lamenting the fact that God has rejected Saul. And God basically tells Samuel to, to snop, stop sniveling, get up, pick yourself up, get up, and go anoint someone new. And so God sends Samuel to a man named Jesse in Bethlehem. And reading this story, and, and of course, knowing the fuller story of, of Scripture, when we hear that Jesse is from Bethlehem, uh, you and I, as followers of Jesus, our ears should perk up that we've heard, we, we know where this story is kind of leading, that Bethlehem is an important place. This is the same Bethlehem where a descendant of Jesse and David will be born, that is Jesus but before he goes, Samuel, he asks Yahweh, he asks God, how can I go anoint a new king? What if the current king, Saul, hears about me going to anoint a new king? I don't think he's going to like finding out that I've anointed someone else as king. God instructs Samuel to take a heifer and, and make a sacrifice and invite Jesse and the family to a sacrifice, which I, I suppose poses some other interesting questions um, ethically as we just kind of think through how that's, that's happening. And, um, but the, we'll save those questions for another time. Samuel goes to Jesse of Bethlehem, and, and as Samuel arrives, some of the elders of the town are a little nervous to see Samuel. Uh, prophets uh, around the ancient Near East, you know, people were never quite sure why they were showing up. Sometimes they brought wonderful news, and sometimes they didn't. And so the elders of Bethlehem are a little nervous when uh, Samuel shows up and they want to know if he comes in peace or if he's there for other reasons. Samuel assures them that he has come in peace. And he arrives at, at Jesse's and he gets ready for the sacrifice. And Samuel is kind of sizing up Jesse's sons as they prepare for this sacrifice. 
And the first son that he sees is, is the oldest, it's uh, Eliab, and he is he's strong, he, he uh, looks the part. Later we see Eliab is part of Israel's army when um, Goliath shows up from uh, Philistia, and he is kind of mocking the uh, army of Israel. Eliab is there. And so we know that Eliab is, is brave, he's, he's strong, uh, he's, he's willing to be a warrior, and yet Samuel hears God say he's not chosen him. Next comes uh, Abinadab, uh, another uh, part of Saul's army later in the story, but again, not chosen by God. Shammah, the next son up, and it's the same deal with him. And, and then the rest of Jesse's sons continue to pass in front of Samuel, but none of them is chosen. Seven of Jesse's sons pass in front of Samuel, but none are God's pick to be the next king. We don't know if this is all an internal dialogue between Samuel and God or whether the, the other sons are hearing aloud uh, why they are being rejected as the king. I, I think it's probably something that Samuel and God are conversing back and forth. It it's echoes the story, uh, an earlier story in Scripture, of Jacob's sons, where Joseph is one of the youngest sons, and he's having these visions, these dreams of being a ruler over his older brothers. Well, eventually all of Samuel's, uh, or all of Jesse's sons pass in front of Samuel, and none of them is picked. And, and Samuel must have gotten to the end of the line and said, are, are we missing someone? Did you forget one of your children? And uh, Jesse says, well, you know, there's the youngest. He's, he's out with the sheep. He's out taking care uh, of those sheep out in the, in the pastures. And Samuel s says we need to send for him. David, though, is out taking care of the sheep. This foreshadows the kind of king God is ultimately looking for. This is why we talk about Jesus being the good shepherd. There is a history full of kings trying to find uh, military conquest. It's full of violent dictators and vindictive rulers, the strong and powerful kings. But God rules through a shepherd willing to serve and give his life for his sheep. And so in God selecting David to be the next king, it's kind of foreshadowing what Jesus is going to do, the kind of king Jesus is going to be. So David is, is brought in. Uh, we assume that most of his, his other brothers are standing around watching him be anointed, probably trying to figure out what's going on, um, why David is being anointed as the next king. Um, it would be interesting to know what's going through their mind uh, as one of their brothers is being selected as king. But as David is anointed, unexpectedly it is the, the youngest son who's out tending sheep, almost forgotten. 
that God chooses to be the next king. Samuel gets up and anoints him, and we're told that the spirit of Yahweh, the spirit of God, came on David. You know, God's call, God's, God's vocation is placed uh, on someone unexpected in this story. And earlier in the, in the text in 1 Samuel 16, 7, it's God instructs Samuel, do not look on his appearance. And he's talking about uh, the oldest brother. Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. God's looking deeper to see how we're wired, to see how our hearts are in tune with God. And the Bible is filled with stories of God calling and partnering with unexpected people in unexpected places to do unexpected things. I mean, you think of, uh, about the, the people throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament. You think about Moses who says, you know, I, I can't go and uh, be your messenger to Pharaoh. I've got this speech impediment. Uh, you know, I, I'm just not the right person to do it. Uh, there's, there's all these reasons that Moses tries to come up with why he's not the right person. And yet God calls him. There's stories of other stories of God selecting the, the younger to, to lead. Uh, there's unexpected stories of God using uh, and calling women in uh, different ways, certainly from the society around them, to, to be God's messenger. Jesus, when, when he comes, he's, he's selecting this, this ragtag group of, of disciples who are um, fishermen, who are uneducated, who are not good enough to follow some other rabbi. And yet, Jesus calls them to follow him, to become disciples, uh, to become fishers of men, and to follow him. It seems that God consistently chooses unexpected people in unexpected places to do these unexpected things. One of the most important things in this story for me is, is at the end of this, this passage where Yahweh's Spirit comes on David. It says, The Spirit of the Lord came mightily on David from that day forward. See, after the anointing, the Holy Spirit is helping to guide and give strength to David. Now look, after Jesus in the, the New Testament times, we see the Holy Spirit coming on the disciples and, and them being empowered by the same Spirit following baptism. At this point in David's life, he's not ready to be king. He doesn't have the training to be king, but he, he, he's just a shepherd, and yet the Holy Spirit comes and helps guide and, and strengthen him and give him the resources that he needs. You know, p most people that I've ever talked to who have a, a strong sense of how God is calling them specifically to live out God's vocation, they often feel inadequate to the task. I've talked to a lot of people who, who feel uh, that God is calling them to a specific 
career or, or to minister in a specific way or to a specific group of people. And, and a lot of them that I've, that I've heard say they don't feel adequate to the task. They don't feel like they can do it. And yet God's Spirit strengthens them and continues to prompt them, continues to drive them to um, minister in sp- these specific ways. You know, Moses tries to make the excuses when he's talking to God uh, in the burning bush. Abraham knows he's really old to be having kids, and, and Sarah laughs at the thought. We don't see how any of how David um, we don't see any of how David processes his calling. But others seem to be throwing out excuses of why this isn't a great pick. And certainly, I think. David would begin to question if it's worth the call when his life is in danger, when he's on the run for his life. We, uh, we guess that he probably starts to have questions about that call. We don't have to be the clearest option by world standards for a task. We don't have to have our faith and, and God all figured out. Because God often just asks us to be available, to be faithful, and to trust. And the Holy Spirit can move through someone who makes themselves available in some pretty awesome ways. And I believe God's Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that that comes and and gives David strength, the same Spirit who uh, at Pentecost comes on on the disciples and allows them to minister in ways that were beyond their imagination, speaking in languages that they they didn't know, they didn't understand, and they start to call people of all nations and tribes to follow Jesus. I believe this same spirit is the same spirit that, that animates the church today. Who comes and and moves through those who desire to partner with God in God's mission, who commit to being a disciple of Jesus. God calls us often in unexpected ways, even when we don't feel like we're adequate to the task, even when we don't feel like we're the right person to, to talk to coworkers at at. Uh, work or, or to classmates at school to be uh, God's hands and feet uh, in your neighborhood. Maybe you don't feel like you're specifically gifted for that. But God sees how we're wired. God knows how he shaped us and, and formed us. And God's spirit is there empowering us and strengthening us. Again, as unexpected people in unexpected places to do unexpected things. What God asks for us is to turn our lives over to Him. To confess Jesus as Lord and Savior and to take up our cross daily and to follow Him. To be available. To be open to hear God's call. His unexpected call. So how does David's vocation end up going? 
Well, we get to read and see where this story goes. And, and like most of our lives, David has some incredible ups when things are going great and he's knocking over giants and he's writing poetry and, and songs that are beautiful. Um, things go really well. He will become king, he will have children, he will start to get things ready for the temple to be built. He's given the distinction of being a man after God's own heart. But David also has some incredible lows. He and his best friend are forced to part ways because his best friend is the prince and, and King Saul wants David dead. And that can really put a, a dent, a hampering on a, a friendship. Some of David's poetry is, is pretty raw when he cries out to God in desperation. And King David expands the kingdom, but he is kept from building the temple himself because of all the bloodshed. And David ends up committing adultery and ordering a murder and suffering the consequences of those actions. David's own sons try to revolt against David. And so David has a, a, a lot of ups and a lot of downs in his life. But one thing David does do is work at confessing, at trying to restore relationships, trying even in his brokenness to pursue God's vocation. You, know, you and I are all at different points in our faith journey. Some have been in relationship with Jesus uh, for a long time, and some are just trying to figure out what that means. All life has ups and downs, wins and losses. But for me, uh, David's call, David's life is about continuing to make ourselves available to partnering with God. You know, for David, uh, we see uh, deep in his heart, he longs to be obedient to God's vocation. He screws up, he gets it wrong, but he repents and tries again to pursue God's calling on his life. And I think it's good news that God doesn't expect us to, to do it all on our own. It's good news that we don't have to be the perfect choice, the strongest person, the most eloquent, the most athletic, the most anything. God sees our hearts. He knows how we are wired. And God sees the shepherds out in the field just kind of minding their own business. And he calls them to be faithful, to put their trust in in him to be available to hear God's call. Would you receive the benediction? May we learn to tune our ears to hear God's call. May we live in faith and faithfulness to God's call. And may we all live out our God-given vocation each day. Have a great week, Spring Creek. God bless you.